0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at com
1: In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them, during forty days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That is God's word. Let us pray. Lord, Lord, may it be a humbling spirit, a humbling posture that reminds us that today is always about you. Tomorrow is about you, and every day is about you. That this church exists because of you. And the church that's right now is gathering in your sight, will continue to hold on to the hope that Jesus is our Lord. We thank you for giving us five years, and we pray for five more years, ten more years, and for however, however long you want us to serve and build your kingdom here. Lord, I pray for Randall. I pray for the Holy Spirit to help him, to lead him, to guide him, to tell us what the Word of God is saying to us today. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are and who you made us to be. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Ryan. All right. Good morning, everybody. You woke up a little bit earlier to be here this morning. You're like, I'm going to wake up around 1030 because that's usually when service is. But today we got together at 830. And so I'm thankful for you being here this morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall. I'm a lead pastor of Grace City. And it's a joy to be here this morning because today we are celebrating five years as a church. And so I praise God for that. If you're just joining us and you're thinking to yourself, this is my first time actually being in a, in a public gathering because it's been seven months since we've been together like this in a gathering on a Sunday morning, and if you're here for the first time, I just want to welcome you first off, and, and you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what is Grace City about? Five years, wow. Well... It's a long story, but uh, we're church plants. We were planted five years ago, but it's really been a lot longer than that that the story started to form. You know, for me and my wife um, and our kids, we moved from Savannah, Georgia. We weren't originally from Georgia, but I was a youth pastor there for eight years. And it kind of built and formed the team that we have today in some ways because Billy and Mary, who are up here on the worship team, they came and they just celebrated five years on staff for Billy. And so praise God for Billy being a part of this. But there were a number of people that came alongside and said, I see the vision of what God wants to do. You know, I see that there's something that God is wanting to do here in this community. And so a group of people came together. We started meeting in a backyard, in my backyard, studying the Word, worshiping together. And today, um, we are who we are. We are Grace City Church, five years later. And a lot of people have been a part of this along the way. And so I'm just thankful for every single day. Because when you think about church plans, for some of you, you think... That's a little strange to me. Like, I've never heard of people planting churches, but the the reality is that every church that you've been a part of was a church plan at one point. It was a church plan, And so God has given us five years in this community, and today um, I think it's very fitting. We are going to be starting in the book of Acts. Um, So as we celebrate five years, we're going to look at Acts. Um, So the text for today is from Acts 1, 1 through 11. And... It was in this book, in the book of Acts, that it really convicted me about church planting. Because I thought to myself, like, okay, I, I really didn't feel like I wanted to plant a church personally. But I started to sense a calling and a pulling towards starting something new towards a church plant. As my friend was praying about it, he, he called me from, when we were in Georgia, he called me and, and said, would you consider planting a church in San Diego? And I told him, no. Good. Good. You know, we're pretty settled here. Um, And what God was doing as we read through the book of Acts and we started praying together as a family was that he was pulling us out of our comfort zone. He was pulling us out of what we were comfortable with. And so today as we look at this book, what you're going to find is that there's people who God called out of being comfortable, uh, of what they thought being a disciple really was. And so we're going to be looking at Acts 1, 1 through 1-11. And, and here's the message today. Waiting on God's timing. Waiting on God's timing. One of the things that I struggle with the most is patience. For some of you, timing is really tough. Because it's easy for me to get impatient about things around me, right? Who likes standing in lines? Who likes driving into LA and seeing all of the traffic do you think to yourself yes yeah th- this is what i came for actually i came here for all of the traffic as you're going down the 5 right in the evening all the traffic you know and, and so things have changed a little bit it's not as crazy as it used to be but you're thinking to yourself that's not my favorite part of life is waiting but what we see is this encouragement throughout scripture from Psalm twenty-seven fourteen. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And so a part of the Christian life is waiting, is, is settling in and saying, you know what? I, I, I need to not wait on my timing, but, but God's timing. And what I've learned over these five years of this church plant and and being a part of Grace City is this it's that it's a call to trust God and that His timing is always best, it's perfect. God's timing is always perfect. And today we find ourselves here as the church, not in a church building. But the people of God, worshiping God right here in the middle of the community. And what I want to say is this, that we're right where we need to be. That God's timing and his way is perfect. And we can trust him in that. And that's what we're going to see through the book of Acts. See, it was right here in this park that we've served and and shared that there was going to be a church. I remember our tent being set up right here as we served along people in our community. Here's the beautiful thing. It wasn't hard to get this space because we've already built a relationship. I know Roger, who's the rec director here. right? We've built relationships over the years. And so when I'm talking about being the church, it's about people, relationships, and trusting God in his timing. And so this morning, we're gonna look at Acts 1, 1 through 11. And just to give a little background and context here, the book of Acts is written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And this is part two. So in part one... Luke does some investigation about the life of Jesus because he's sharing it with this, uh, the, the person he's writing to is named Theophilus, and people don't exactly know who Theophilus is, but the one thing we know about the name Theophilus is lover of God. And so some people take it as, well, it's just anybody who's reading this who loves God is going to grow deeper, or maybe it's just a person in particular. We don't know exactly. But what we do know is that Luke wrote this so that we can understand more and more who Jesus is. And so you can read in the first verse, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What was he writing about? Well, he was writing about Jesus. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he didn't just talk, but he did things. And so all that Jesus did and all that Jesus taught, those things go hand in hand They go together. And so we see that in the life of Jesus. And what we see is that that is actually what it looks like to live as a Christian. Your life is going to start to look more and more like Jesus as you follow him and put your faith in him and trust him. So we see that in in the book of 1 John as it says that that those of us who who walk in Christ, we're going to look like him. And so what we see is that Jesus, all that he began to do and teach, is being written about in the first book, and now in the second part, in part two, it's really going to talk about the church. So last week, if you were if you're studying with us, we looked at Luke 24, we looked at how Jesus rose from the dead, and how there was a power and an impact that happened, that spread. See, the, the, there's this word, the gospel, and the gospel simply means good news, there's good news because Jesus is alive. There's hope because Jesus is alive. There's hope because Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And so as believers today, what is it that we put our hope in? We put our hope in the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that it's true. And so we talked about that last week, and today we're going to see how it impacts Lives what we're gonna see is the birth of the church. And so what's happening here is there's this young church forming. They didn't know what was going on, but Jesus was there and he was teaching. And he was sharing with them what the kingdom of God was all about. And so if we look at verses three through five, here's what it says. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now what we see here in verse 4 is it says this he ordered them he ordered them it's a, it's not a suggestion it's it's an order <laughs> Okay, and so the thing about it, even with my kids, like I, I, I try to tell them, I said that, that's not like a suggestion that you clean your room. It's not a suggestion that you turn off the TV. It's not a suggestion that you listen to your mom. Like, that's actually an order, right? Like, we, we need you to do this. And so the same thing is true with Jesus here. As he looks at his people, he says, okay, I'm gonna order you not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, to wait. You know that thing that we just hate to do? Because we got that plan. The thing that we think about is this: like, I have to think about this. Five years ago, when Grace City was started, I did not have a five-year plan where a pandemic was a part of that, <laughs> right? Like, I, I didn't have like, okay, and here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna be actually meeting at Stanley Park on our five-year anniversary. It Was not in the plans, okay? But that's a part of waiting. It's a part of trusting. It's a part of believing in God and his plan. And so what does this teach us today about waiting on the Lord? Well, we learn to trust by, number one, asking legitimate questions. Asking legitimate questions. Okay, so let's start with verse six here. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now this question here is is very revealing and if you read through the gospels you're going to see that this type of question always follows the disciples as they are following Jesus. See because what this was was that this last flicker of Jesus coming to bring like this political kingdom that they'd hoped for. Oh the 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 the, the thing that that they hoped for was this that Do you remember when, in in, uh, when James and John came up to Jesus in Mark ten thirty four through or thirty five through forty? What they did was they came to him and said, "Jesus, when you're in charge, will you put one of us at your right and one of us at your left?" Jesus, can we be in charge with you? We got your back. We're here. And so their questions were about comfort, security, power, prestige. What it was doing was this question was revealing their heart. What were they in this for? Right, they've been hearing Jesus talk, but but what was this about? And I think all, all through all this, like, Everything that we go through just kind of boils down to like, what are the real questions that we need to be asking? And for them, this was a legitimate question. You know, the thing is, I I love about this, is that Jesus didn't rebuke them for asking this question. He didn't say, how dare you ask again about this kingdom? Right, like restore, like, he didn't do that. But what we can learn from this is this, that Jesus, even in our misguided questions, in our misguided heart, he's still there. He listens. He hears us. I mean, how many times have we asked the wrong questions, right? Have we thought to ourselves, okay, this is the plan. This is the way it's going to go. And then Jesus, you just kind of fill in the gaps. You know, like you support me in what I'm trying to do. See, these type of questions reveal our heart. And it's okay to come to Jesus with these questions. You see, for the disciples here, their question broke down down into two things that they were really struggling with. The first one was something that we talked about, time. You know, the word for time that's used here is the word chronos. And what that is in the Bible is it's... Length of time. It's a specific time. It's an hour, day. Some of you are wired in a way where you just, you, you are just planners. And you love, like, hey, I, I need this in my calendar. I need this in my agenda. I need this in my schedule. If I don't have it this way at this time, then I'm going to be really upset. And so these disciples that are coming up to Jesus, they might have been a, a little bit like that, where they like to the, the have the time written down, right? I need the exact time. But there's another word in the Bible that's used. It's called kairos. It's used 86 times in the New Testament. What it, what it is, it refers to an opportune time, a moment, a powerful moment where you know that it was exactly where you needed to be at the right time, at the right season. Kairos, Kronos. What is God trying to accomplish? Is it about the Kronos or the Kairos? See, here's the thing. Right here in this park, I remember when we were serving one week, um... There's this huge thing, you see celebration. I remember I was walking around and my wife had put in her application at a school right down the street. Wasn't hearing a word. And we were like, man, okay, well, let's just pray about it, see if this is what God wants her to do. And so we were serving here and then literally the day that we were serving, I I started talking to somebody and they they, they worked at the same place that my wife applied to. So I was like, man, that's crazy. You need to meet my wife real quick. And then we found out that they were actually in charge of that department that she was applying for. And so literally she got a call the next day about coming in for an interview. And then she's been working there for the past few years now. What I'm saying is I couldn't have put that together. Right, like the perfect time I was there, I was talking to this person and then introduced them and then we had already been talking about it and praying about it and then it just all came together. Kairos. But what happens many times we try the chronos, Like, no, 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 it's not on my timeline here. But the beauty of this is that God works it out in a way where we can ask those questions. We can come to him with those things. See, many times what we are, we're like those kids in the car. We're like, are we there yet? Again, okay, my kids are always, are we there yet? No. We got to get there safely. We got to get there at the right time. And so God is a good father, and he does the same thing in our lives. Second part of their question, again, is about the kingdom. See, their, their question had to do with restore. When we to restore the kingdom? To Israel when are we going to restore this thing you know you remember the old days you remember how things used to be we're we going to get back to there see what's happening in their heart is that the past was looking better than the future same thing happens in the church for some of us, like it's good, like we reminisce about what happened five years ago in Grace City and we think about all the things that happened over the years, but that's not the goal. Like we are a church right now. And so as we think about this, like this restoring, like are we, when are you gonna restore it? They were struggling with something that they had in their minds that the kingdom was about. And Jesus is ultimately showing them this. It's not about restoring the old days. God was doing something new. He's doing something new. And so, were they going to trust Him in that? Because the second part is this accepting God's answer. Look at verses 7 and 8. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. See, right here, the disciples are living in a tension, and the same thing is true for you and me. The tension is this look at verse 7. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here's the things that we need to accept there are things that we don't know and we might never know but the question is will we trust God are we going to be okay with trusting God right there has to be that, that, that thing that, that, that tension of it I saw this quote from um, hip hop artist Lecrae he says you're not in control and that's okay God is better suited for the job You believe that? You're not in control and that's okay? God is better suited for the job. Next look at verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, Jesus is trying to point them away from the things that they won't know and back to the things that they do know. Here's what you need to be focused on. You guys are focused on this timeline. I'm trying to focus you on the mission. It's more about the mission than about the thing that they had in their head. What this is showing us is there are things that we do know, and it's best to obey God. It's best to obey God. Trusting Him, obeying Him. Charles Spurgeon, when he talked about, like, how do we do this, right? Like, how do we get to this place of of seeing and trusting God like this? Well, it it goes back to the source of the power that Jesus is talking about here. Because he says this in verse 8, Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so, where do you get your strength? It's receiving power from God, from the Holy Spirit. And what this is, is showing us that it's a far greater power than some political power position that you were trying to achieve, guys. It's bigger than that. And so, I love this from Spurge, and he says, The church will never prosper until more reverently it believes in the Holy Ghost. Until you believe that God's given you the power that you need. His presence, that he's there with you. That because God is in you, as you believe in Christ, that you have the power that you need to accomplish whatever he's calling calling you to do. See, many times what we want to do is we want to think that we can do it on our own strength. And Jesus is pointing out here, the reason you have to wait is because you can't do it on your own strength. But he also gives them purpose He says, you will be my witnesses for God. Chapters one through seven, we see that it's reaching the local community. It's Jerusalem. It's all about Jerusalem in those first seven chapters. We're gonna walk through that together. Verses eight through, or chapters eight through 11, you're gonna see that it's about Samaria and Judea. It's a little surrounding areas now and then as we get to the end of the book of acts you're going to see that it goes it spreads all the way to the ends of the earth right there's this power from god that spreads the gospel beyond the comfort zone again this isn't about a comfort zone this is about where god is taking his people to be witnesses for him that's the purpose that's the purpose so the third point is fully embracing today. Look at verses nine through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The question that we see in verse 11 is this, why? Why? Why do you stand here looking into heaven? His question is like, why are you still here just looking up, not, not believing, not trusting, not doing anything? Why are you still here? What, what are you doing? Why? That's his question. As the angels came, they said, why do you stand looking into heaven? For us today, why, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we here in a park? What, what are we? Are we wasting today? What are we doing in life? See, asking that why question gets the, the followers of Jesus to start, start to think of what they're called to do. And so how do we fully embrace today? Well, remember where Jesus is. See, it says this, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. See, the reality is, where is Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God. It's Jesus' position that the James and John were looking for. They wanted to be in Jesus' position. No, Jesus is in Jesus' position. He's king. He's ruler. He's over all things. And so we need to remember that that's, that's his position as the church. It'll always be his position. And so we come under authority of, of, of Jesus in that way. So we need to remember where Jesus is, like, In 2020, as as crazy as things are, Jesus is still on the throne. Is that encouraging you today? You know what? Jesus is still on the throne. And we can look to him. But another part of this is, remember, he's coming again. He's coming again. It says, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Do you believe today that Jesus is coming again? Right, like the, the, the reality that this isn't just it, like all, this isn't it. Jesus is coming again? Church, when we start believing that, it's gonna radically change the way that we live. Because here's the thing, as I look around I see a lot of injustices. I see a lot of messed up stuff that's happening in our world. And so my hope is that as I live out today and I fully embrace today and living out the good news of the gospel today and only doing what God has called me to do, like that's all you can do is trust him and and just be faithful and obedient that he is coming again to make all things new. He's coming to make things right and trusting him in that. I love this quote from Jim Elliott. He was a missionary in Ecuador who was uh, killed on the mission field. And there's a long story behind him and his life. If you want to read about Jim Elliott, his wife, I encourage you to do that. Um, But here's what he says. He says, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Can you take that from somebody this morning who is with the Lord? Right, he went to the mission field, was killed on the mission field. But like, can we like hear that this morning? Like his voice speaking to us saying, hey, guys. Embrace today. Live to the hilt. Like, wherever you are, be all there. Because in our generation, we got a problem with just being where we're at. Don't we? We got a problem with just being where we're at. We want to be somewhere else. We're dreaming about something else. We're looking on every social media platform, just like dreaming about something else or a different life. But Jesus today is calling us, he's saying just be where you are because the reality is he's on the throne, he's coming again. Embrace today. Embrace today. Just the simpleness of today, like looking around and just being like, wow, we're out here right now, embracing this moment. And so just some quick takeaways. How do we wait, for, wait on God's timing? Number one, by understanding God's ways aren't my ways. You just got to embrace that reality. God's ways are not my ways. Isaiah 55, eight through nine says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so just settling in that today, my ways, the way I would have done things is not God's ways okay, all right, I can settle down for a minute. It, it, it's different. And so if your life is going sideways and you don't know what's happening, you're saying, this is not the way I would have done things. Just know that God's ways are not your ways. And it's okay. Second, God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. Here's what it says in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Inscrutable his ways. What that means is that no scrutiny that we can bring against God would stand against him. Nothing that we could, no point that we could make would stand before God because his ways are inscrutable. And so like today, do I believe that his thoughts, the way he thinks, is actually higher and richer and wiser than anything that I could come up with in my mind because that's what the word says. This quote from Timothy Keller is, is helpful. He says, if we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. If we knew what God knows, we'd ask exactly for what he gives. And for some of us, we struggle with that. Like, really? Really? How is that true? But for those of us who place our faith in Jesus, you have to know that there is a God that is thoughtfully there with you, guiding you, loving you, caring for you, even through the storms. Even through the storms. Last one. God's timing is better than my timing. God's timing is better than my timing. You know, I think about Grace City on our first day at the high school, and it was pouring rain. Like the 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 heavens opened, and it was pouring rain. And I'm thinking to myself, God, not surely not today in San Diego. It's raining like today out of all the days it's raining today we're opening like come on God you know we're tight you you can stop the rain you can do this but he didn't he didn't and it rained and we're still here and today we're in a park but that's the reality is that he's trustworthy even through the storms he's trustworthy even when it's raining and you're like how is it raining right now and his timing is better than my timing on all of it i love this quote carl ellis jr he says god's delay is an expression of his grace and his patience it's not an expression of his inability or indifference What I had to learn was it wasn't God's inability or indifference that caused it to rain that day. What his grace and his patience was showing me was that it wasn't about me. And it wasn't about me trying to control things, but that he had a bigger plan than what I could see in that moment. And so do you trust that and believe that about your life? You may say, well, well, why wait on God's timing? I mean, God, I don't know. He, he just seems to always put me in those places, and it does seem like he's got this indifference to what I'm going through. But I want to encourage you today with this. It says in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, the fullness of time, the chronos, like the, 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 the hour, the, the, the perfect like moment, minute, the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. At the perfect second, God sent his son, Jesus. To do what? To redeem a people that were under the law, that were under the weight of the law, like the guilt, the shame that we feel that I can't do it. It's never going to be enough. The weight of the guilt that we carry. All of that sent Jesus into that, to our mess, to our sin. And Jesus said, I'll carry it all the way to the cross. The perfect time to redeem a people for Himself, to die for our sins. So here's the thing if Jesus can take care of our biggest problem, which is our sin and which is death, if He can take care of that problem, He can take care of any problem that we're going through right now, any issue that we're facing right now in our lives. Because ultimately, the biggest one is taken care of, the biggest one is accomplished. And so he's faithful with today and what he wants to do today. Church family, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful, that the good news of the gospel is true, that at the perfect time, Jesus, you were sent into this world to redeem a people for yourself. Lord, and we stand here today, a couple thousand years later, just uh, reflecting on what you've done and today that the church, the witness that was started back then in in this book in Acts has reached all the way to us right here in San Diego today. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at GraceCitySD.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.